after a bit of a false start. Hello and welcome to episode three of This AFL Life. I'm Alison Smirnoff and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Julia Kiera and Megan McDonald. Hi. Hey, y'all. How are you going? Oh, great. <laughs> How's had, the audio going? <laughs> you had one job, Smirnoff. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to head straight into JC No Filter. Um, so last week, my no filter was pretty angry um, after what had happened through the press that week. Um, but I'm going to go the whole other way today. And instead, I'm going to talk about emotions <laughs> and vulnerability and especially the emotional investment of players, um, their clubs and the very passionate AFLW fans of which we are three. Um, so essentially the theme of this week's No Filter is no filter. Um, So I'm not the first to point out that one of the pieces of AFLW that has been so refreshing is that the players themselves are well-rounded. They mostly give relatively authentic and thoughtful answers in interviews and they do so without the insincerity that we see in AFLM. Um, From players who've been intensely media trained, um, who've grown up in the slick footy factory. AFLW players behave and speak without that same filter, the filter that seems to remove any authenticity or point of difference. And that's what I think the AFLW audience is hungry for. I've just finished Sam Lane's excellent book, Raw. Hi, Sam. Um, (laughs) Which, on top of providing... an excellent insider's view of how the AFLW came to be. It profiles 10 AFLW players and one coach and tells us the stories behind them getting to where they are. And it doesn't shy away from their human complexity, even in the realm of sport. Um, That book kept me up all week and in conjunction with round two, it's put me in a bit more of a contemplative mood as opposed to last week where I was in more of a hulkish anger, (laughs) (laughs) grenade dropping mood. Um, so over the weekend, there was there was an awful lot going on in AFLW. There were some terrible injuries. There was drama. There was heartbreak. And it started on Friday night in Sydney. Meg was there um, where there was a game between GWS and the Blues. And the Blues had had a week um, listening to the, bait, to the debate from the press and on social media about essentially the worth of the competition. <laughs> and this was distilled down to the attractiveness of the game quote-unquote, um, based on the type of footy that they had played for three quarters in round one. Their coach was in hospital all week, and it would be silly to think that both of those things don't have an incredible emotional impla- impact on the players. Then during the game, the weather gods came into play, the rain thumped down, there was forked lightning, the game was delayed, the players got back on the park, there was more rain, a heavy ball, and a heavy ground, and In those conditions, it's incredibly hard to run or mark or execute skills and it changes the whole game style and the dynamic of the game and it's it's very exhausting. And most people who've ever experienced being exhausted know that as a result, your emotions are really close to the surface. Then something really horrible happened where Bree Davey, their new captain who's widely loved and respected, she goes down in incredible pain. She's surrounded by some very concerned teammates and opposition players and she's so distressed that she's given the green stick on the field, which is something I haven't really seen before. 
Her teammates, including her partner, Tilly Lucas-Rod, have to all keep playing. And once the siren is gone, there is a bubbling over of emotion. There's relief that the game is over, sadness, empathy for their teammate. Darcy and other players cried at the game's conclusion. Opposition players hugged each other and surely you understand why the relief once the game was done to let all those simmering emotions bubble over and I've never really seen a game like it so to be clear I don't wish for girls to be injured or for coaches to be hospitalized and I don't want there to be lightning hanging over the field that could endanger life but doesn't this all create an incredible drama and doesn't it create a narrative that is absolutely captivating and doesn't it make you want to watch this game and invest in it Because like watching a really good film or a TV show that you binge watch, there are ups and downs, there's dramatic tension, there's hubris and there's payback, there's redemption, there's heartbreak and there is triumph. And that is something that so many people who are drawn to AFLW find irresistible and it's something that is missing from other sports and I suspect from AFLX. Last week, There was so much chatter about what people perceived to be AFLW's failings, that the skills needed to be slicker and the scores higher. But to me, this is the difference between sitting down and watching The Godfather or watching Fast and Furious 7. The difference between watching Transparent or watching Two and a Half Men. That might sound snooty or classist, but I don't care. I want footy to talk to me like I'm an adult, that I can empathise with human frailty with vulnerability and with the complexity of human emotions. Just because it's sport and sport has been the domain of macho culture, of jocks, I can still understand that. I can understand that players can be happy that they've won but sad that they had to pay a huge cost to do so at the same time. When AFRW does this, it evolves the game and the spectators and moves the footy community forward to a place that is less polished but more captivating, less derived from focus groups, more inclusive, less macho and, dare I say it, more feminine. The best parts of stereotypical femininity, where emotion is valued, vulnerability is encouraged and heartbreak can be met with tears because tears are the only reaction to senseless injustice that provide us with any relief. This is why the Outer Sanctum fights a passionate a new audience, why you're listening to us, I hope, and why you keep watching. Good, JC. Well done. <laughs> so many things. So, so many things. And once again, we're faced with the task of trying to continue with the podcast with a sense of inadequacy because I'm just not going to be able to articulate anything the way you just have. But um, I don't think you could have put it any better. Al? Oh, there's just so much in there. Like the theatre of sport, I'm married mm. to an actor and mm. he tries to drag me to the theatre often. <laughs> I, I refer to it as theatre of obligation. <laughs> but my argument is that the theatre of sport just is far better than mm. – Sorry, actors and <laughs> theatre people. <laughs> it's a yeah. real deal. It's mm. a real deal. And look, you would have seen on Twitter um, that the AFL are putting out a server at the moment to gauge the audience's reaction to AFLW. And I was filling it out today and I was just like, stop worrying so much about what we think. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just play footy. Just play footy and put it on. Like, stop worrying so much about it. And there was a question in there about, uh, do you think it should still be free? And how much would you be willing to pay? Oh, go away. 
you know, like we can't we can't ask anyone to to spend more money than they think women are worth, and uh, I don't know. Like I understand that this is a world we live in, um, and that there's marketing budgets and they need to be um, signed off on, and you need to you know all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It made me feel a bit ill filling it out. Yeah, I haven't filled it out just <laughs> for that reason. I can't. I just. I know I probably should, mm. but yeah. Well, I, fill it out and say you'd be willing to pay a million bucks. A million. <laughs> One million dollars. No, I haven't filled it out either, but I, mm. I'm up for it. Mm. One billion trillion dollars. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. What a game. What a night. Mm. Um, should we go? Yeah, let's go, go into talking yeah, about it. Straight into the games. Now, um, Friday night, obviously the game that we're talking about, Carlton defeated GWS by 21 points up in Sydney at Dremoyne Oval and Meg Mac. Yeah, that's me. You were there. Meg's was there. <laughs> so I suppose I want to speak about my trip to Sydney and it's largely going to echo everything that Julia said because my experience of it was I found very powerful and very hard to shake even to, even to today. Uh, so I'll try and relate my experience of the emotions of the game. Uh, I suppose I put myself as a as a dedicated supporter of AFLW um, and as someone who feels quite a close proximity to the players that, uh, to a lot of the players that were out there having played with them and against them recently. So I suppose that's my perspective on things. Um, I ended up in Sydney because I thought I'd treat myself to an interstate AFLW match at some point over the summer, um, having close friendships on both sides of, of that match at GWS and Carlton, um, not to mention the offer of free accommodation. Thank you, Del Post Familia. <laughs> um, I thought this is going to be the one for, for me. Uh, so those friendships, um, coupled with the criticism of the league that we covered last week and that Julia's just referred to, um, and I found myself attending the game completely in support of the game itself, um, I was I was really barracking for AFLW um, in regards to, you know, who was going to win, Giants, Blues. You know, I was I was so firmly on the fence that um, I had to go to the hospital the next morning and have the white pickets of Dremoyne Oval removed <laughs> from my <laughs> from my rear end. So it was it was interesting to be so invested to feel so invested in a game but to not really care for the result of it. So I thought it was going to be a win-win for Megzi, you know. <laughs> I was going to go. It didn't matter the result. It was just going to be a great night, um, which is why watching the evening play out as it did, uh, it had such an eerie feel to it. And this, the siren went um, and after everything that had happened, I think I initially thought, well, that felt like a, a lose-lose, mm. you know, especially with the picture of um, – Renee Forth and, and Taylor Harris on the ground at mm. the end being attended to by medical staff and the emotion that was spilling over from, from each team. So, but back to the beginning. So we arrive at Dremoyne and it is, I'll tell you what, it was it was really charming. We're sort of walking down the hill. You can see the harbour. As I said, there are, it's a white picket fenced ground. They had a great activation site. Um, the players were warming up. All the camera crew were there. The, there were, you know, grassy knolls that people were filling. It was close to capacity and I'm thinking, this is a beautiful night for footy. Um, So we set ourselves up, the match starts and almost immediately the storm hits. Um, So the storm hits and all I'm thinking is, A, uh, am I going to get out of this tin grandstand alive? (laughs) Um, I hate hate lightning. (laughs) Um, And B, of course, God help the aesthetic of this football game because it is – 
it's going to be a challenge. And like I can hear the footy gods saying, you do not disrespect me, you know. <laughs> I will strike down upon you with great vengeance and furious, furious anger. anger. And they did. They did. It was just um, – well, it was full. It was full on. It was a storm, the likes of which you know only New South Wales and Ireland can, you know, produce. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I thought it was going to be called off sort of before the end of the first quarter, and and didn't. But as as Julia um, related, there was delay, so on and so forth. So I suppose without speaking um, for any of the players involved, exactly, I'd, I'd sort of like to make similar points about sort of the emotion of the match, um, particularly you know during and immediately after the fourth quarter. Now, a lot of girls who uh, played over the last round were questioned about the memo, whether their game style would change. Do you think it's going to affect you? Mm. And I'm thinking, did it affect the game? No, it didn't look like it affected the game in terms of structure, scoreboard, the way the ball moved, set up. But, of course, it affects the game emotionally, psychologically. Um, and I really think the events of Friday night sort of – they were like the culmination of a couple of the issues that we've spoken about, about the coverage of AFLW, so the adequacy of the promotion of it and, is you know, is it a worthy competition. So I was moved when Daisy spoke um, on radio last week, and I think we've referred to that. Um, but she spoke about how the players have sort of taken ownership – of the competition. Now, in addition to Carlton being obviously affected by Damien Keeping's illness and they're copying this criticism. Now, Daisy's, as Daisy wonderfully stated, um, and many others have seconded, the uh, the playing group's gone above and beyond sort of any contractual agreements to ensure the competition exists and, mm-hmm. to, and that it achieves success. Now, players from a number of the clubs spoke out against the criticism um, the competition received and responded to the memo and put forth by the AFL and said that it was unlikely to affect their tactics. But far more than I think any in any other sport, you're looking at these playing group and far more than the men's AFL um, and they're out there engaging and promoting their own competition. They're trying to educate the public on the worth and the validity of something that they're putting blood, sweat and tears into every week and then they have to go out and deliver and deliver it. So to think that it doesn't affect them or to think that they can ignore the media coverage of the competition when they're constantly out there on social media trying to promote themselves mm. is, I mean, it's just silly to think. Of course it's going to have an effect on them um, mm. in, in some way or another. And I think that's actually contrary to any to, to female footballers' previous experience of what it is yeah. to play football. Mm. You know, it's not about um, hardly any of them, I think, went to their first football match and thought this is an excellent career move you know what I mean you're not going there to to make any kind of you know it it doesn't it just doesn't feel like work to those girls yet I don't Mm. think and footy instead and I think sport more broadly but like it provides an opportunity for a particular experience of like freedom and escape that's increasingly hard to achieve in Mm. in day-to-day life so you go to footy for um, a couple of hours each week. You can experience sort of play, expression, community, equality. When you're on the footy field, you know, not a whole lot else matters besides getting the ball in between the two big sticks at one end or if you're going to play one behind the ball, stopping the other people <laughs> getting, getting the ball between their big sticks. Anyway, so evidently the relationship with footy is changing for the female players. Um, we felt that last week. And when those those outside factors that you're so used to going to footy to escape from uh, start to encroach on what, he, what footy means to you, 
on the f- like and the freedom of that experience is is compromised and I, I really felt that on on Friday night so mm-hmm. when your coach is in hospital all week or the worth of your pursuit is questioned or your greatly esteemed and loved captain experiences a trauma like that on the very field itself then I imagine it's quite overwhelming and on top of that whatever happens within the match itself how you're getting treated as a player what stresses you've brought into the game from your life outside of footy so the emotion i think is is understandable and it was palpable at the ground the ground went completely silent when brie hurt her knee especially when that green whistle came out it was incredibly distressing especially in the family and friends section the night really didn't shake that as i said the girls finished on the ground there was an outpouring of emotion But then I came to think, exactly as Julia said, it was quite moving and powerful to be there, to see that. It didn't, you know, I think people in the crowd were close to tears. My hands were shaking by the end of it. But you could see the love that those girls had because of those other reasons that they played footy for. Mm. And they played together, you know, they played together at VFL in competitions around Australia in different states and they're embracing at the end and you see what footy means to them. Like mm. it, it's, plain, it's plain as day when they're, you know, when Dale's hugging Das. So, you know, I think it might have, um, it might not have been the night to show us what the competition has to offer in terms of skills and, and scoring. But certainly the, the real beauty of um, the female game, I think, was, um, was quite evident. And I, and I left feeling sort of like mad at the injustice of the whole evening, but um, really moved by the sort of um, the experience and the emotions that were on display. So mm. that's my account of it. And I think, yeah, no, no final thoughts. I was just, I, it was very moving to be there. Unfortunately, the telecast cut out. But from what I gather, from what you said, Julia, you could, you could deduce some similar <laughs> yeah. feelings. That was yeah. long-winded, but there you go. <laughs> While you were talking there, it, it kind of struck me that it, it almost feels like this whole shenanigans about, the memo and yeah. attractiveness and whatever, and that the girls feel like they've got to somehow prove something. So I, I feel like it's 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 dredging up a lot of feelings that those girls probably went through when they first started to play the sport. So where they had to convince their parents to do it, mm-hmm. they had to find a club, they probably had to answer questions about, do you play by real rules or can girls do it? And and. And those that you had to really justify why you were doing this. And once you kind of get in the women's footy world and women's footy system, it gets a bit easier to shut those yeah. thoughts out because you experience it and, and, and it is completely awesome. Can, it's awesome and you can completely justify it. But, but, I, I, but I can agree with you. I, I delayed even starting football for all those reasons. Mm. I thought, you know, I'd... I don't know. I probably would have started four or five years earlier if I didn't have all the thoughts you just explained. Yeah, and now I just feel like it's a really similar kind of dynamic that's being thrown back on those girls now when they think that they're finally past the threshold of having to justify it. Yeah. You know, because we we did have the first year and it was an incredible success and lots of people who'd never watched women's footy had watched it and were converts and now suddenly we're back having this original argument. Mm-hmm. Um and you feel the weight of it on your shoulders. What I don't understand is what audience are they trying to impress? Because, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like died in the wall AFLM fans have their game. Mm. You know that they have it already. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we all found so beautiful about AFLW last year is that it uncovered a whole new set of mm. football supporters. Yeah, 
a whole a brand new audience and they love it. Yeah, they love it. So or an old audience, a disillusioned with AFLM yeah, audience who came back. back. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just this commentary. It's it's obviously just the AFLM crowd not knowing what to talk about or how mm. to talk about it. So I'll just trash it. Yeah. I certainly think towards the end of the week we turned a corner mm. in terms of the criticism and that people started to have a little bit of sense, but it did, once again, it took players coming out and speaking about it. Mm, yeah. Daisy wrote a beautiful article in The Age. Yep. She spoke about I will, I will share that clip of her on SEN <laughs> far and wide. I thought it was excellent. And finally, people started to think, oh, no, hang on. It's going to take a while, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. It looks different. Stayed in the obvious. And, you know, there was commentary from Jared Whateley, my man, um, about how women's sport or the women's game within sports generally looks different and mm. it's charming for completely different reasons. Yeah. Should we actually talk about the game game? Go for it. <laughs> there was a game? Yeah, there was an actual game. So Not my strong point, so I avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> so the actual game game, you know, Carlton mm. kicked 3-12 and they were pretty lucky to get away with a win on, on, on that. Last year there were a couple of losing teams who had heaps of the ball and kicked 111 or something and, and – you regretted it. Carlton managed to get away with it. But it was a bit of a bruising oh, match. Yeah. As we said before, like playing in the wet, you can't you can't play like you normally want to play. You, you can't – you're just not as skillful. There's no way you're as skillful. The ball is a lot heavier. If you try and take a mark out in front or above your head, it just slides through your hands. Like it just – and, but girls were still trying to do it. It's like they felt so much pressure. I've still, I've still got to hands out in front. Still got to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm on TV. I can't do a chest mark. I'm gonna um, hit that 15 meter um, switch kick, <laughs> 30 meters out from the opposition goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a bit all over the shop. But look, I think Alicia, Eva, Courtney, Gum, Dally, Dally, that that um, um, Shay Audley had a probably her best AFLW game. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, but I was going to say that that GWS midfield is really, you know, was I think is really solid. Tully unfortunately came off with an injury, which, you know, she had had a really great round one. Yeah, and I th- I didn't. We spoke a lot about Carlton before and the emotions of it. Mm. But the reason it felt like lose lose because GWS had also suffered an injury to a key to a key player, both emotionally mm. and and for football ability. Um, and they didn't put the performance out there that they wanted to. Yeah. So. Equally as as tough for them, yeah. And yeah, look, I I just thought that GWS are going to walk away from from round two being having not won a game, and that just doesn't quite seem right at this stage. And <laughs> uh, I I don't think that it that the storm was even really properly forecast. So I think the teams may have even looked a little bit different had they known the weather was going to be yeah right. as such speculating. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, it was a t- yeah, it was a tough night. And those, you know, Carlton were taking shots from, you know, when they kicked those six, I was like, mm. yeah, keep taking shots from 40 metres out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they hit the front on, on, on behinds. On behinds, yeah. Um, but they still, you know, they still affected the switch really well. We'll see how that will, that goes in the future or if that's just the way they chose to play GWS. They're tackling. Was oh, bonkers. it's so good. I'm pretty sure, well, it would seem, Instagram has told me (laughs) (laughs) they've gotten a, they've had a tackling specialist in. Do you know? Malcolm? Malcolm. Malcolm Banks. Malcolm Banks. He's uh, been down to the, I've seen his work down at the Falks before. Um, 
look, I don't know whether, how much you can credit him with, mm-hmm. but I think it's been a particular focus, their defensive pressure and their tackling was Sarah Hosking awesome. 16 tackles, yeah. didn't she? Yeah, and, 16. And that, that last tackle, Taylor Harris on Renee Fourth, it was like a wrestling match where Taylor had jumped off the top rope. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> That's just what it was. Yeah, it is. It was an she was insane like, tackle. She was horizontal. Oh, she yeah. is so regularly horizontal in a game. It's crazy. Mm. Tackling, I, marking. I hope she hasn't hurt herself too much. Yeah. Look, I just really want, now that you've put that image into my mind, I'll, Darcy, if you're listening to this, can you get a screenshot of Taylor doing that and superimpose it into some kind of wrestling? WWE. Yeah, so we'll... In the end, we've got a got a team at the top of the ladder as a result of it. And as you say, GWS without a win, which seems not quite right. Mm. It's so funny that like a game that they played in, which drew so much criticism, they're on top of the ladder. Mm. Oh, I know. And I'm sure they're going, they're looking to the AFL and saying, we're not changing too much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next game was Melbourne v Adelaide out in Casey Fields. Melbourne got up by 32 points. Meg thought they'd get up by 30, so win <laughs> for well my done. tipping. Well done. I didn't tell either of you. No, because we don't tip. No. Oh, sorry. And since you didn't tell us, it just could be a lie, really. <laughs> well, if it was a lie, I would have said I picked 32 points, not 30. <laughs> <laughs> At least 30. Um, Melbourne looked pretty frightening at this stage, I reckon. They're, you know, everyone talks about their midfield – but I just think they're incredibly even and they've got match winners kind of in every little part of the ground. Definitely. Um, it's not, you know, obviously the midfield works very well together. They, um, you know, give their forwards, they, they really serve it up to their forwards. They just on, Oh, how on would you like it? Yeah. Where would you like it? How often would you like it? What kind of kick would you like? It's just lace in or out. Yeah. <laughs> And that's not to say the board. The board's doing a fantastic job, obviously, but um, but it the service is pretty happens. good. Yeah, <laughs> even I, you know, I particularly noticed the half back line this game. With there's, as you said, there's been so much focus on the midfield, but the way Smitty, so Catherine Smith, um, Bianca Jacobson, Ashley Guest, Brooke came into the team, Downey, um, Downey, the way they're working together and the way they are, you know. Lifting their eyes, and if they if they don't see anything that's on, they'll handball it back, and they'll just wait for the right for the right option. So, mm. BJ's um marks were just yeah, they were oh she was just plucking them from everywhere. I was at the game, and I noticed it. Um, I actually spoke to Smitty after the game, um, but I noticed at three quarter time that the defenders, when you you go off to your line coaches. The defenders were actually together in a really, really, really tight huddle. Mm. They're like a little team within a team and they were, you know, listening to their defensive coach. But I just want to talk about Meg Downey. Mm. She has played, I think, approximately three and a half games of mm-hmm. AFLW footy <laughs> and she's just slotted in seamlessly to that mm. back line. And even, even BJ, like it's her second game for Melbourne. Yeah, it's, I find it quite funny looking at Meg Downey play. Her sort of limbs go off in all different directions and it's quite unpredictable where she's going to... Is she... A, she's a right footer. Got yeah, she's a right footer. Because I swear to God she took a bounce through the middle of the ground with her left hand. Oh, possibly. <laughs> and that is that is not a criticism. I'm saying she, like her intent 
it's almost unpredictable the way she sort of moves around and um but she just she runs in straight lines though in a good way in a good way yeah (laughs) no she does she bursts through in a straight line yeah like the most direct way yep i did my grade four maths through yeah through (laughs) uh yeah so the rebound is just it's gone pretty well Mm. but that melbourne midfield i i was watching them at the weekend and so often they they don't blaze like if it's the ball's congested they might have got it in their position but um instead of just hacking it forward there's always hands out the back there's always paxi loitering out loitering out the back or days or or june and they come back to go forward they come back to give themselves space to go forward and watching that i just thought you know you mentioned the delpos's before but that is that's that's richard delpos 101 2013. I'm sure he'll tell you as much as well. Yeah, look, I look, I specifically remember him introducing that feature into Falcons footy. Um, and apologies to the Melbourne midfield coach, but um, <laughs> watching them do that, I just think, oh, you've 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 been doing that for a long time, and and you can hear each other's voices, you know, a lot. And they just it, and it also looks good. It looks good because it makes the forward entries. Um, more well, they're not as rushed they're not as rushed yeah yeah there's they're no chaos precise. Ball. it's not yeah chaos hacked in we're gonna wait until we have a clean possession and then we'll try and get it in and yeah and and as a result yeah what you were saying before that their, their forwards are reaping the benefits you know tegan cunningham is it's her second game of football and she does not look out of place at all but also she's getting that delivery so the the, the fact that she can you know achieve that success in the first few games of footy, like it fills you with confidence when you kick goals and it mm-hmm. just helps you. If you're getting it delivered like that, it helps you go, oh, yep, that's what I need to do instead of when it's your first few games of footy and it's getting hacked towards you and you never get a clean ball and it's so frustrating and, you know, it, I don't know. that They look really good. In sync. They look yeah. really in sync and I think they, they've mastered the play your role Know your role, know your strength. And Alicia Newman knows that it's her job to run. Tegan Cunningham knows that she's got everyone covered for height. Paxi's got a raking foot. And you speak about that sort of, you know, the, the four most well, you know, the, the four midfielders from Darabin in there. But they've got, you know, they've introduced Rocky into that group. And each of them brings something, mm. you know, a little different. So Paxi can, Paxi can run for days. Um Days. As, in, as in she can run for days AYS yes <laughs> Daisy's everything um Junior can really like get the old body contact happening and you've got Rocky that can burst through so everyone's bringing something different but they all have this particular seemingly physical strength that they've developed as a team um mm. across the well across the past year so yeah. Adelaide was so renowned for being a physical team last year and they um prided themselves on that all the way to a premiership Mm. and Melbourne just, they really strength them. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They, um, you know, there's that passage of play that I, that I believe has been highlighted on, Mm. on social media where each of them sort of Rocky wrestles a ball out of an Adelaide girl's grip. Um, she gets it off and then a sequence of Paxi, Hickey, I think Daisy. Daisy, they all fend someone off. They get the entry in there and, it results in a goal, so mm. it's all looking so far so good. 
I know. But but even the, they've got the experienced players in there doing well. They've got the new players from other clubs that they managed to slot in and know their role. And then they've got people like Kate Hoare who, who gets oh, 20 great. disposals. Yeah. You know, in a team like that. And she looks super exciting as well. She sets up that Mel Hickey goal, which I think she might claim she was trying to pass it. But whatever. Oh, please. Oh, boys. And I thought Humphreys played oh, she a was great, great game. Yeah. Didn't ever look rushed. And, and the girls that are missing out, and I don't know if Maddie Guerin missed this week, I don't know why Jazzy Grierson yeah, got – Yeah, I'm not sure. She was a late – She was a late, late withdrawal. Change, so may, it might may have been an injury niggle but or something. under 20-year-olds who will be Jets as well. So, yeah. yeah. So, on the other side of the coin, Adelaide. Yeah, well, they didn't have Phillips and Cramie again, and it certainly looked like they missed them. They look they kicked four straight, which kept them kind of in it, but they never really looked dangerous. And Adelaide, their disposal efficiency at the moment is the lowest across all eight teams. And as a a, a team that wants to kind of own the corridor, you can't do that. You know, you can't you can't do those kind of high risk. We're going to take the ball through the middle of the ground if you're not kicking the ball into your teammates' hands. So, you know, Chelsea Randall batted all day. She was on the ground for 97% of the time. And she's all she, over the ground. Yeah, but she she needs more help. You know, I thought Dana Cox did really well. Her disposal efficiency was great, but there were some others that were, were quite low and you can't carry that in a team where it's so hard to get your hands on the ball when you're playing in midfield like that and then to cough it up. It yeah, it, it, it murders you. So there were definitely some sparks for Adelaide. Ruth Wallace kicked a, a great goal. Uh, Jenna McCormick, fresh off a W League goal, I believe, the week before. Yes. Kicked, yep. a, kicked a goal in this game. But, yeah, just wasn't even even enough. They they didn't look assured when they had the ball. but And Mat- Melbourne just rattled them out of it in lots of ways. I was at Casey and – on a on a still day, it is blowing a gale there. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it was actually blowing a gale, and Melbourne kicked with the wind in the first quarter and only got that goal, that freak goal by mm. by Newman. But it was it was the second quarter where they actually just dismantled Adelaide and kicked four goals into the wind, mm. and then after that, the game was kind of even, but it was just that smart use by Melbourne, low kicks forward, yeah, that silver service we we're talking about to the forwards, and that's just kind of the game. Mm. I think Daisy was interviewed at halftime and attributed the success of that second quarter to, you know, um, bringing it at the source, um, heat around the contest and making sure that you, you know, you speak about the wind. I think her comment was that they reminded themselves that, you know, the wind doesn't kick goals for you. It helps, but um, you've got to go out there and do it. And they certainly did that. Anyway, I went into the Melbourne rooms and spoke to Catherine Smith after the game. Here's Smitty. I'm with uh, Catherine Smith in the Melbourne rooms. Now, most important question first. <laughs> the low pony, it's gone. Yeah, the low pony has gone. Um, prior to Christmas, we had a big team go- getaway and we tried a bun and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, had been thinking about it all last year. Got a haircut and I'm like, nah, it's time. Tried the bun for a few training sessions and then went back to low pony and realised how hot my neck got and how like, I was just overheating with it. So, yeah, I liked the bun and I thought... Why not give it a go? People make make me think I look older, so <laughs> go with it. And of course, you get the the win in round one, so now you have to keep it. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Tradition, so we'll keep it going. <laughs> Hopefully, it keeps going for the rest of the year. Um, well, back to the footy. How's that to get the win today? Yeah, I think it was massive. Obviously, um, 
against Adelaide, they're always a strong team and premiers from last year that everyone knows. But we played style of footy in the last few quarters. That was what we wanted to play. You could feel the energy and effort out there and um, just the way we were able to create goals for our forwards was great. And the conditions in the first half look really tough. Like that wind is absolutely blowing a gale. How do you how do you approach conditions like that? Um, yeah, it's really hard. Obviously, um, in the back line, it's just how we set up. So if we're the foot, foot in front or foot behind, um, more run and carry with the ball heading into the wind and um, making sure the forwards it doesn't go over the forwards' heads too much. Um, so yeah, just being cautious of that wind, but really not to differ too much from our game style. Just a few little tweaks here and there. Now I noticed that uh, at three quarter time, the defenders kind of broke off and we're in a really tight huddle together. Um, what, what was that about? Um, I think the backline crew is a very tight crew. Um, last year was the same and I think we all have a lot of respect together and we're very united so we all, when we're in those huddles and it's on us, um, we like to make sure that we didn't let them get a score. Um, they got a goal at the back there but we really want to make sure that we locked down and we didn't let them get a sniff so yeah, just unify each other again and get back to what we had to do. Now, Irish obviously played a great game on Sarah Perkins, but when you have a dangerous uh, forward like that, and you would know Perko yeah. really well, is it a kind of team approach, like team defence approach, to trying to stop her? Yeah, definitely. Perko is phenomenal, there's no question about that. Um, I think Irish did an amazing job. Um, she bodied on, which was what you needed to do against Perko, and um, just keep shifting her body so she can't either fly at the ball or get a ground ball, which she's really good at. And then obviously the other backs are just water, so BJ came in flying in, took a few good marks in there as well, which is awesome. Yeah, and BJ's just slotted in beautifully. Yeah, I love having BJ down the back line. She's a great athlete, um, obviously high flyer as well, but so smart with footy, and I think we're all learning a lot from her um, and the way she trains and the way she plays. Well, great game today, Smitty. Thank you very much. On Saturday night at Optus Stadium in Perth, the brand-new stadium, Fremantle defeated Collingwood by 13 points. The record crowd of 41,975. Well done, people of Perth. Yeah, well done. But what did we make of the game? Well, it was a bloody exciting game and I was, you know, as a women's footy fan, that was great. You know, there was five goals kicked in the first quarter. But if I was a Freo fan, I would have been a bit terrified because the first, you know, Collingwood would go two goals up and you'd be going, oh, no. But then, you know, credit to Freo, they locked it down and they got three of the next goals and Collingwood never really looked like they were going to run over the top of them. Um, you know, there was a, they only ended up winning by a couple of goals, but Freo just, just looked more dominant. Um, a debutante on the night, Lisa Webb. I just couldn't really get Webbo. over her game. How many possessions did she get? 17 or something? Like, that's just ridiculous. And heaps in the, like, in the first quarter. She yeah. was just on fire from the, the from the first bounce. And just looked super exciting. She's 34 years old. She's a teacher. She's a mum. They interviewed her after the game. Her son had been in hospital all week with an ear infection. Like, I just don't know how you do that. And then you walk out and play in front of 41,000 people. That was amazing. That was pretty incredible. Um, I thought... Dana Hooker just continues to be a, a star. And, you know, I think last year Frio uh, really relied on Juddy a lot. And yes. she kind of kept them in the contest a lot. And she, she didn't have a quiet game, but she had a quieter game. Um, and I think that's positive for Frio that it's other other players stepping up. You had a particular favourite, did you not? Oh, number eight, Evie Gooch. <laughs> Gooch. Gooch. Look, I've been mourning the loss of my fellow short-haired defender in San Virgo <laughs> who did her ACL and is not playing this year. But we have the return of a new one <laughs> in Gooch. And she played pretty well, I thought. Yeah. She did well. Um, 
maybe just every time she got the ball, I was like, <gasps> you know, was amazed. Very exclusive little club. Got. I'm shaving it defenders. off. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But look, the Pies, apart from, you know, that, that first goal, it's Emma King in the goal square. She dribbles it through the Western Australian return home. But but yeah. exactly on that point, what is Emma King doing in the goal in square? The goal square? Look, you, I do not know. If I was a Pies supporter, I'd be ripping my hair out because, yeah, she got that goal. Okay. And she's she would be a great forward. Yeah, but she is a miraculous ruck. Exactly. So... Put her in the ruck. Yeah, just yeah. indicative of the whole their whole issue at the moment. You'd yeah. think we're not the verse to say that um, the pies have a bunch of super talented girls on their list. Yeah, they've got the puzzle pieces. They're just not putting it together right, and um, it just is like an old Trivial Pursuit little pie where you're shoving the triangle pie pieces in the wrong way. That is what it's like. It's true because you never get those little buggers out. Meg does not understand this reference. She played Trivial Pursuit on a DVD. Yeah, on a DVD. Yeah, excuse me, not Not, an iPad, iPad. but it was DVD, yes. (laughs) But uh, I don't really get it. Like, Chloe Malloy looks fantastic off half-back. She's a fantastic player. She's my hot tip to being the best and fairest for the whole league, okay? That but is a huge call, that but is a huge she is call, a huge talent. I'm not putting any money on it, so it doesn't even matter. So. But that is my <laughs> hot tip. But the fact that you've got Jess Duffin, who's a great forward alongside her um, in the back line, you've got, it, 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 you, you know, Mo Hope didn't get in the side. Meg Hutchins didn't get in the side. And both, oh, well, no, sorry, you go first. Well, uh, both of those players, I feel like, have owned their positions in the Victorian State League for a decade. Mm-hmm. So I don't quite know why, A, we're being told that they're being pushed into different positions. They are um, excellent users of the footy by mm, foot yeah. and Collingwood just lacked that so much on the weekend. So I know Christina Bernardi was interviewed after the game. I listened to the interview and, and she said that, you know, they're not getting the the basics right and she is a perfect example she took some spectacular marks Mm. uh you know they were fantastic marks and she turned it over by foot with that very same possession Mm. and i i just wonder if you know disposal efficiency is 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 so important Mm. but it's hard to achieve when you're not sure Mm. of positions of systems of where you you know, I'm sure Melbourne are achieving it because they're so um, drilled. well drilled on where it is they're going to be kicking. Look, I can't obviously can't speak for well, Collingwood, but they just they looked unsure. Yeah. I just think like those two those two players we mentioned, Mo Hope. I mean, they were they were drafted to or signed by Collingwood in the first place on the basis of that of those long careers in the VFL and their strengths mm-hmm. and pre-signed. Not you know exactly. They weren't yeah. drafted. They were headhunted. Pre-signed. Yeah. Yes. And I just think Collingwood. Are, I don't know. Are they are they outsmarting themselves trying mm. to make every player versatile and, and play multiple positions when you've got a player like Meg Hutchins who you know her kicking game is her weapon mm. and she's just like she's she just set up so much of their play last year and to be not in the team I just don't understand it mm. especially when they have been turning it over by foot so much coming out of defence yeah. yeah but you know just to restate it Malloy is looking. Fantastic. So um, she's, you know, she's fending off and kicking barrels out of out of halfback and she's absorbing pressure. She um, copped some pretty rough treatment. Um, girls have been reprimanded for it. 
but she, there was a suspension as well, actually. Yes. Stacey Barr got suspended. So um, she's she's doing she's doing well on that front, but she she can't be two games into her AFLW career and be the best player on their list. I think that what frustrates me about Collingwood, or the feeling that is coming back to me, is the feeling I had last year watching the Bulldogs, where I just felt like. It was an incredibly talented list and it just wasn't working. It just wasn't working. And and then we've seen now with the Bulldogs this year that they haven't transformed the list enormously. Um, they've obviously dropped their best player in, in Meek McDonald. But um, um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't take – Take him on for the team. <laughs> no, but it doesn't take – a, a huge turnover to to suddenly you know make those players look like the excellent football players that they are, and Collingwood I just think it, the same thing. You, you've there's girls on that list who are really good footballers, and it's not the style is not playing to their strengths. I don't think they're all necessarily in the right positions, and and it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's a wasted opportunity. Because, you know, right now you look at the ladder and there are three Melbourne teams that are unbeaten and Collingwood hasn't won a game. And, you know, when Collingwood is winning, whether you love them or hate them, that that is good for football and that will be good for AFLW. And it brings a lot of people into the game. You know, they are the biggest club. Um, and so for them and, and their huge support base to not be engaged in this it, it is a shame and, it, and it's a missed opportunity, as I, you know, as I said. The last game of the round was on Sunday up in Brizzy. Bulldogs defeated the Lions by nine points. What did we make of it? I think this the scoreline nine. When you reminded me that it was nine points, that's closer than I felt it seemed watching the game. Mm. I thought the Bulldogs seemed to, you know, assert their dominance quite early again, and, and they understandably had a little bit of a lull in the in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, they, they just look too good. Mm. And it was really just that second quarter from the Bulldogs. They kicked four goals that quarter. You know, neither team scored a goal in the first quarter. And then the Bulldogs, you know, they only scored another goal in the, in, in the last quarter. So it was really that quarter that set up them, that set them up. Um, and Brisbane were just kind of chasing them towards the end of the game. And, you know, that second quarter was totally lit up by... Um, Izzy Huntington, she takes two great marks, you know, kind of with her outstretched hands, you know, <laughs> she looks yeah. so tall. The Dukes um, are impressive. Yeah, um, to then and converts them both and then, as you would probably know, then goes down and has been confirmed that she's done her ACL on the other leg to what she'd previously done. But look – from all reports, the conditions were absolutely stifling. It was 36 degrees. Both teams looked incredibly fatigued by the end of the game. But I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good display from, from both sides. But the Bulldogs, yeah, they just look um, – they look like a different side was, this year. Yeah, yeah uh, I think last week we saw the power of their um, – their offensive football with Katie back in the team. But the defensive efforts from um, their back, 5-6 – were really something that game. Um, they Scott. kept Hannah Scott. Mm. Well, the offensive efforts of a defensive player. Yeah, <laughs> great goal. Um, and yet, yes, Scotty was having a shot. Don't even <laughs> pretend otherwise. Um, so Scotty did really well. Sparky did incredibly well on Sabs. Kept her out of the game. Mm. And perhaps most 
notably Libby Birch, mm. friend of ours, can't say a bad word about Libby. She is a beautiful person and her dedication to improving her football is really something else. So she's reaping the rewards this season and to keep Cashy, who is so dominant in this format, um, to zero positions at, at half time and then I think only three by the end of the match has earned her a, a rising star nomination. Mm-hmm. So her, well her done, Liv. And Bonnie too good as well from, from the dogs. Yeah, doing well. And then, you know, Emma Carney just continues to do what Emma Carney does. I think she's leading the comp for coaches, votes, MVP. I don't yeah, know. She's like she's doing pretty well. Yeah, and she, she laid nine tackles on top of her 18 possessions. You spoke about how KB played a different role. Yeah, and and for me it was great seeing, you know, KB just the, playing that captain's role. You know, when they were really under the pump, she goes into defence and, and uh, because you have to do that, you know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. She's spent a lot of her career in the forward line, but when the game's on the line – You've got to go. You've got to go and cut things off, and and she did that. She took seven marks. She looked very calm. I can think of a um a time where they were trying to come out of their back line. Back line, nothing long was on, and they just chipped it around methodically. Chipped it around, and um, Ellie Blackburn Burn was involved in that yes, play as well. Right. So captain, vice captain, yeah, doing um, what needs to be done, and just not blazing. Just not blazing. Not. I guess you can do that when you're in front. <laughs> yes. And you, the pressure's not necessarily on you to to score. But, yeah, that we haven't seen that kind of composure as much uh, through AFLW and that just looked really good. You know, I think you lamented that AFLW wasn't played like women's football. Not, no, sorry, is that how you want to say it? I, I said think, that last year. I think. Yeah, yeah, do you think the kicking style, mm. controlled possession, is – more yeah. of what you meant. Yeah, that's more of what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, and the teams that are doing it are on top of the ladder mm. or second and third on the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> no, top of the ladder. Yeah, I think it plays to, to women's strengths. Um, that whole Luke Beveridge style, we're just going to handball, handball, handball. It doesn't necessarily play into what I think are the best women's skills. You know, women can be very um, lethal by foot and can take good marks and can move it around and be patient. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you see good footy when that happens, trying to do the uh, burst through handball type of style or we're just going to chuck it on the book, uh, boot at all costs because we've got forwards down the line who can take really huge contested marks. I think that does a disservice to to the players that are out there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving seeing that style a bit more now. Can we talk about um, the mullet in the room? Oh, yes. <laughs> Exy. I just thought there was a Sexy little. Sexy Exy. <laughs> She's really into her name. I just was in shock every time I saw it just bobbing around the field. You wanted it. Oh. <laughs> we were sitting, we watched the game together. <laughs> no, you didn't want it. But I think there were there were I've heard of cries in different living rooms going, Exy, get a kick. Yeah. Get another kick. Get another kick. We just keep it on our screens. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's like a car crash. I I can't look away from it. But it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Oh, it makes me feel completely uncomfortable. As I've said, you know, I I I feel really I feel like I've got a close emotional, to use the word again, connection to my own hair. <laughs> so to see her treat hers with such 
Um, oh, total disregard. Total disregard is brilliant and terrifying. <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> what about Brisbane? Well, Izzy kind of broke the game open in the second quarter, really, and then, like you mentioned, the that four goal second quarter, mm. a little bit like Melbourne. That's kind of when they stamped their authority. But Brisbane actually kicked three three to their one one in the second half. Mm. And the margin was only nine points in the end. So it's just that one quarter. Yeah. You know, Wooshner was trying her best to get them back into the game. She did a bit of sneaky business, tapping the ball back onto the foot of the defender to get a to get a um a, a shot on goal, which she then converted. It was a beautiful shot. Yeah. And she kicked kick. another goal. You know, them's the rules. You use them. <laughs> yeah. Use them as you, Is as she a netball convert as well? <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, they. You know, Bates had 21 possessions, Stanton and Anderson had 16, Zilke 14. Like, they were getting the ball, but that four-goal quarter was hard to – yeah, and it was hard to peg back, especially because Bulldogs just switched on that defensive mindset and deprived them of, of having good shots on goal. And and I guess when a, when a tall goes down, mm. you really have to readjust, and I think – like you said, they kind of defense kicked in and they locked yeah. it down. And they and you know Sabrina Frederick Trop who the week before took a lot of marks, ten marks, ten marks. Ten. They denied her that, didn't mm. give her the space, and you know that can be the game. Um, just a little shout out to to Izzy. Um, I've got a lot of time for Izzy. She's a really really great person, and I was really fortunate to interview her last week after her first AFLW game. And by the time she came out of the rooms to do the interview she was actually really quite emotional and um, I was moved by it just knowing how much work she'd put in over the last 18 months to to get to that point so yeah the fact that she's she's done her other knee now like I'm absolutely heartbroken for her but I know that she'll just be a total professional about it and attack her rehab but we wish her all the best yeah I think similar sentiments um to Brie in it and I was struck by the um, the way that the, those two girls are really emblematic of, of what of what their respective teams are trying to achieve with season two. Um, you know, Brie is their general in defence. She's switching the play. She's playing behind the ball. She's dominating. She's their new captain. And to see her go down obviously had a huge emotional impact on the girls. Um, and by the same token, Izzy's, you know, the first of their new breed of young pups as they as they call them so really disappointing to um to, to see that happen to Izzy of course um I was moved I was particularly moved actually looking on Instagram at the time and there was that image of how she came back on the field in the Zimmer brace I think it's called mm. um and then during the song there was that image of her and, and Asta and the Bulldogs hashtag is real strength. Yeah. And I just thought, I looked at that and I thought, wow, that is just, it's so appropriate. Um, mm. The way she has seemingly, you know, she's been out to get out there. I'm sure she's she's feeling a bunch of emotions behind the scenes, but um, by all accounts managed it, managed it really well. And, you know, she's, I think they're the fourth and fifth ACLs of this, of this season. Um, so thinking about, about those other, those other girls as well. Yeah, out of Frio, Brianna Green um, yep. did her ACL at at training last week, and and she had broken her collarbone in in round two, I think, of last year. Last, last year. year. So you know, some people just 
don't get any of the luck. No. Um, and, and it can be pretty cruel. So we're thinking of those players. So, yeah, I, I brought Brat, Brooke Patterson's tweet along to, to read out. She plays for Melbourne, but she's also a physiotherapist who's done her PhD in knees in this area. And she tweeted um, in response to these incidents on the weekend that she said, her heart goes out to the five AFLW players suffering ACLs in 2018. And yes, we are more prone to ACL injuries, but we do not need, sorry, but we do need to remember the benefits of girls and women being involved in AFL at any level far outweigh the risks of any injury. So, um, well done to Brooke's work, but also very well said. 110% agree. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the sentiment from those very girls. I remember I think Izzy's, you know, captioned her post that said, "I love this club and I love this game." Hashtag yeah. twenty nineteen. Yeah. So there's no. Yeah. I yeah. just they're, I mean, her and Bree in particular. You know, they're just they're both so they're both so young. Like mm. they are the future of AFLW in a way, but they have such maturity about them in that they have every right to be so furious and upset and <laughs> shitty with the world, but they have actually just put that aside and put their teammates first. And I just, I reckon the competition is going to be in such good hands. Mm. Definitely. Well, that's uh, quite enough talk about the tears and tears. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> now it's time for Meg's Would You Rather. Yes. All right. Third week running. What a success this has been. <laughs> okay. Drum roll, please. Thanks, Al. Don't knock the mics out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're still good. Would you rather running goal edition? Have we already seen... Goal of the year, greatest goal in AFLW history. Would you rather Kate McCarthy's 2017 running goal featuring, I think, five bounces and, as she says herself, just shunned for goal of the year. She absolutely should have won that. She was robbed. Oh, robbed. Um, Or Alicia Newman's Mm. 2018 running goal, not as many bounces, tighter angle, check side, Jet, jet of a goal. Which one are you taking? This is really, this is really tough because I loved Kate McCarthy's goal and the celebration as well. <laughs> she was absolutely spent, but she still managed to jump in the air. <laughs> um, but I was at Casey Fields. I saw that goal live. It was incredible. She is lightning quick, Alicia Newman. Like Talia Redan is like she's a tall, but she's she's not slow by any stretch, and she just mm. jetted past her. Yeah. Tricky wind, i.e. blowing a gale. She's reverse check side from the pocket. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, I got to agree. There was something about that burst through. You see her, um, it almost for a minute, you know when you're on a train? Yes. And (laughs) (laughs) End of story. No, you know when you're on a train and you're next to, and the other tracks is also a train and you don't know which is moving the wrong yes. way. There's a moment in that yes. where that happens. <laughs> um, yes, I've got to go with Alicia Newman. Yeah. It's almost like a trick of the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, what a celebration. Yeah. Um, she's doing some great things. The only thing, I'm going to offer her some advice. I wouldn't seem to be in a position where I should, but I'm going to do it anyway. Alicia. Leash. I heard you on radio yesterday discussing that goal and you said on national radio 
that you couldn't repeat it and that you were actually trying to kick a drop punt. <laughs> Never say that. Never, Never say it. You. Don't say it on national radio when everyone's looking to you and I could never repeat it. Don't say it on the airwaves. Come and say it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, nah, what a great goal. Well done. Okay, question number two. Electrical storms, sunburn, huntsman, spiders, funnel webs, poor coffee, or living in Melbourne? <laughs> Which would you rather? To all our Sydney siders who love our <laughs> podcast, we apologise. <laughs> We respect you and I am appreciative of the trip that I just enjoyed. (laughs) Did I accidentally swear then? I think you accidentally said crypt instead of trip, um, which is an interesting Freudian slip. But um, (laughs) look, I don't accept the premise of that question. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just think given I live in Melbourne, I would probably just take living in Melbourne. Mm. Out of laziness or just just can't move? Just can't. Moving's hard. Hard. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was tough up there. I have a whole new appreciation for what they're trying to achieve with football in that state because you are up against the elements. <laughs> the buses. The Ooh. buses. The caffeine. Lack of it. <laughs> but they're doing some good things. It's a jungle out there. Meg. It's a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, question three. Would you rather be tasked with tagging Karen Paxman or... Compete in the skeleton at the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Skeleton's where you go headfirst down the. Yes, uh, I was. I was just going to ask this: Is it that's the headfirst luge, basically? Yes, as if. Uh, yes, and for those of you that don't know luge, it's like cool runnings, but solo, down that same track. Are you like on your front? Yeah, you're on your front, going headfirst. That's just ridiculous. That's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, well, the the original idea of this. Um, segment was to pit two completely unrelated things <laughs> against each other. <laughs> I think actually in reality I have better chance of doing the skeleton <laughs> exactly than I <laughs> than I have tagging The point is they're equally terrifying prospects. Yes. Yeah. I will take the skeleton. And you're not sure you're gonna get out of either of them alive? Skeleton. Skeleton. No, Paxi's tearing it up at the moment, so good luck going with her. Mm. All right, question four, would you rather? The question was inevitable considering the events, the weather events of the weekend. Would you rather try and play a football match in the torrential downpour of a tropical storm, Sydney style, or the stifling 36-degree heat of Brisbane? Option C, playing in Melbourne in perfectly reasonable footy conditions is is not available to you. Okay, well... I was from Ireland. I'd just say hands down, tropical storm. Oh, really? It's, it's just like home. <laughs> oh. But I would take the storm because as someone of limited speeds and skill, <laughs> Come the on. rain is the great equaliser, all right? Brings everyone back down to my level. I'm into it. Heat is horrendous. I couldn't disagree more. Oh. As someone who's not into balls below my knees. <laughs> I'm not into them below or above my knees. Um, It's not going to suit me. And you know what? I have a particular skill on the football field, and that skill is sweating profusely. <laughs> In 36-degree heat, I am a slippery sucker. <laughs> no baby oil is required. No baby oil required. 
no sunscreen. I've had opponents say, oh, I just, you know, I fell to the ground because you're just so slippery. Mm-hmm. No, I, I push you to the no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go with um, heat. Mm. All right. I'm all about AFL becoming a summer sport. Let's do it. Now, I haven't been on official Underwood test watch, but I do want to say male hosts of radio shows in referring to AFLX don't say <laughs> the footy is back because it has been back for weeks. And AFLX is futsal at best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Round three. Bum, ba-dum, bum. Saturday afternoon at Norwood Oval, Adelaide take on the Western Bulldogs, one thirty-five local time. That's What's everyone going to be doing Friday night? Well, I don't know. All right. Well, look, this is an interesting one. This is Adelaide currently have the lowest disposal efficiency, which I've already mentioned, but the Bulldogs have the highest. And look, we went to this game last year at Witten Oval. Uh, and it was round two, and uh, in that game, Adelaide had come into that season where everyone had, you know, didn't think there would be much chop, and they won that game, and, and, and the Bulldogs came in and with people thinking they were premiership favourites. So now we're kind of in the reverse. Um, so there's an interesting dynamic going on. Mm. But you're right, they Adelaide kind of announced themselves that yeah. night, and I remember being in their rooms after the mm. game, high-edge pipos, and it was <laughs> – they were up and about after that game. It was Definitely. like they had – yeah, they mm. proved a point. Yeah. Well, they've was, got to prove a point yeah. this week. Will their stars be back? Mm. Don't know. No, and they've lost Ange Foley for this week as well through suspension. So Perko's absolutely tore the Bulldogs a new one last year. So um, she hasn't had the season she would want just yet. Um, will she be able to do it again? Um, we'll see who they play on her this time. Who's your tip for that matchup, Sparky? I don't know about Sparky... With this one, to be honest, I don't know if they play a Hannah Scott on her. Yeah. Or maybe one of the newer newer girls. Bailey Hunt got the job last time, but I think was probably was um yeah, physically uh wasn't able to stand up to Perko um in that way. So you know, I think Melbourne did a great job of you know, playing something, I think Irish played directly on her and then they had people just cutting her off, cutting yep. her off. So I'm sure the Bulldogs will take a similar approach. Um, Sparky is, is perfectly capable. Maybe maybe that's what she does and they allow Hannah to, to play that mm. lo- the loose role that she that she does yeah. so well. So uh, Then Saturday night, the Blues are back at Icon Park. They take on Brisbane, 7.40pm. Hopefully Taylor plays because that'll be a showdown. Mm, yep. Last year that... That game was the last match of the round and it was a draw. Um, and Brisbane really kind of had Carlton's measure for most of the game and then suddenly in the last quarter the, the Blues managed to peg it back. This is a pretty interesting one. You know, Brisbane are coming off a loss, their first kind of regular season loss. loss. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't look out of place last year at, at Icon. And Carlton, you know, they've had two pretty bruising weeks. So, you know, they're now without their captain – um, it was well reported that last week, you know, Lauren Arnell and Maddie Carrick hadn't been selected. Um, whether they come back into the side now, I don't really know. I, I, I'm i intrigued by this game. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know either. You know, maybe those two come in, but then 
so Kate Gillespie Jones played mm. round one, was dropped for round two, but probably plays in the plays in the back line. So mm. it feels Bree's spot there. I don't know if they'll go with her again. You know, the Blues are in the strange position of being on top of the ladder, and I don't think they would say they've played their best football yet no. by a long way. So um, I am excited to see them back back on Icon Park. I love watching football there. Mm. I love watching football there. So I'm, mm. I'm very excited for it, you know, for that alone. I don't know what's going to happen. I um, I'm actually really interested to see how Brisbane bounce back, like yeah. after a loss within a season, because yeah. obviously the grand final loss burned mm. all over the off season, and they really came out firing in round one. But yeah, how you know how do they? They've not encountered this before. How do they bounce back? Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, Collingwood take on GWS at Olympic Park Oval. Be their first home game of the year. That's a twilight game, four thirty-five PM. What do we think? Mm, well, both of them haven't won a game yet. So, so yeah, it's incredible. So it? this is, I think, this is going to be pretty heated. <laughs> um, and you know, we've been part of this conversation, but I think it's been kind of widely reported that GWS are actually playing really good footy and are unlucky not to have won. And Pies kind of aren't playing good footy. So interesting dynamic. We we went to this game last year at the same venue yeah. and the Pies really smashed GWS, but they they looked like, their straps by that point in the season last yeah. year, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, but GWS looked like a totally different outfit, and I think their midfield, even with Tully out, I'm assuming. Um, I'm not sure that she's necessarily out. Oh, really? Okay. Well, um, regardless, I, I just think that their midfield is looking really, um, really good, really, and, and kind of the opposite of, of the Collingwood midfield in that Collingwood mid- midfield doesn't quite have that grittiness to get that inside ball. And the ball use has gone from Collingwood to GWS in the form of Alicia Eva. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. The the re- the return the prodigal no. Um <laughs> the prodigal daughter returns. The prodigal daughter returns. Um can you call you runner at Best and Fairest winner prodigal daughter? Anyway. No, <laughs> not quite. Um so that's that's a whole a bit of drama as well. We'll we'll see. I'm not tipping. Look, I've been I've I'm just not going to get sucked into coming describing what I think is going to happen and then tipping. I'm just not letting it happen this time. I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen either. I agree that GWS is playing good football. I think a lot of that narrative sort of come from round one. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're very disappointed with what happened Friday night. So, yeah. One team's going to be right back in it at the end of it, one and two, and the other's not going to be having yeah, fun at all. behind the eight ball. Last game of the round is Frio v Melbourne over um, at Fremantle Oval. This is pretty interesting. Frio, you know, got a win last week. They had their tails up. But, you know, looking at the stats, they have allowed their opposition in both rounds to have the most un- uncontested ball use. And if that happens against Melbourne, they're going to get slammed. So they're going to have to change something up this week and just put a lot more pressure on the ball carrier because yeah we've talked about Melbourne's superior ball use you can't let that happen because they'll yeah it, it doesn't take them long to to take your part and 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 kick you know four or five quick goals that you're then spending the rest of the game trying to pick back I really got nothing to add to that other than um, Melbourne are going over there as the first well they're going over there to begin what is a over a week-long trip mm. for their for their club so 
Yeah, they've Which... got um, back-to-back away games, uh, this first one being uh, in Perth, and then they play Collingwood in Alice Springs. So they're actually staying away for the week. Frio are going to be without Stacey Barr. Uh, she received a week suspension for that strike on Chloe Malloy. Um, but, you know, look, I think Frio will have their tails up after a big win in front of a big crowd. Mm. You know, sometimes that's what you need to get your season going. Yep, agreed. So we've uh, recorded this episode on a Tuesday. Uh, the first time around, we actually recorded it on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but guess who effed up the recording? <laughs> so given that we have recorded this early in the week, if any news breaks later in the week, we apologise. <laughs> but normal transmission will resume next week. <laughs> but th- you've been listening to this AFL Life. If you want to get in touch... Give us a shout out on Instagram or Twitter at This AFL Life. And of course, we love a review and a rating on iTunes. And please subscribe while you're at it. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.